0: From the Western Riverside Council of Governments, I'm Rachel Singer, and this is CODcast. There are many college students who call Western Riverside County home. To add to this, the city of Riverside is a top city millennials are moving to, as noted by Time magazine. With a variety of universities and community colleges, and the general influx of young professionals moving, living, and working in the subregion, how do we create a place of growth for young professionals to encourage their investment in the subregion throughout their career? On the other hand, how can young professionals leverage their skills and abilities as they transition from higher education to the workplace? force. On this episode of the CODCAST, we are pleased to welcome Mike Bishop, Director of the Career Center at California Baptist University, who works day in and day out with young professionals. So, Mike, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Glad to be with you, Rachel.
0: Good. So, tell me a little bit about yourself. How um, how long have you lived in Western Riverside County?
1: Well, my wife and I actually moved out here in 1980. Okay. So I grew up in Orange County, okay. and then we moved out to Riverside. Actually, we moved out to what was Sunnymead and is now Moreno Valley. We lived um, there four years,
0: okay,
1: and we've lived in Riverside. We then moved to Riverside, and we've been out here about 35 years.
0: Okay, awesome. So you raised your family out here too then?
1: I have. Um, my wife and I are celebrating our 40th year of marriage, so we're very excited. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we have three kids, mm-hmm. two of who still live in the area. And we have eight grandchildren, and oh my they're all under six years of age. So uh, we are a busy people.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: are they? So are all eight grandkids in this area as well?
1: Six of them are. Okay. Uh, two are in Seattle with my youngest son and his wife. Okay. Uh, he was an alumni at CBU, a business degree, and he now works in the corporate office in Nordstrom where okay. he's a buyer planner.
0: Got it. Very neat. So, Professionally speaking, what, what what's kind of the scope of your work or what has it been in the past?
1: Well, in the past, uh, actually, I've, I'm in, I think, my 41st year of work. The first 35 were in the corporate sector. So okay. I worked for Honeywell okay, and Stanley Black and & Decker, and it kind of worked like this. With Honeywell, uh, I held positions of sales rep, sales manager, branch manager, business unit leader, regional director, regional vice president. Honeywell then sold to a private equity group. So I got to do that for three years, which is a blast. And then finished up my career for several years with Stanley Black & Decker um, as a senior VP over there North American operations, okay. which was a blast. So I've held a lot of different positions <laughs> and really enjoyed it. I retired that lasted six months, Rachel. That's Uh, not very
0: long. No,
1: it's not. You can only clean the garage so many times. Uh, And then CBU and I got together and they wanted to do some new things in their career center. So I've had the opportunity to work there uh, for the past six years where I work just with great people at all levels and get to uh, interact with students daily and help them with career and opportunities to find the career of their dreams.
0: Got it. So can you talk a little bit more on that? Like, what does the day-to-day look like for you working as the Career Center Director at CBU?
1: Sure. Um, You know, it's kind of like this. This is what I'll tell parents, okay? Uh, Really, uh, their kids uh, will go to school from anywhere from 17 to 19 years. Kindergarten to the time they graduate from the university, undergrad or maybe get a little bit of graduate work. After that, uh, they will then go interview for a job of some type, no matter what discipline they're in. Mm -hmm. So someone's going to look at a resume for about 6 to 10 seconds. They might then look at a LinkedIn profile. Then they're going to bring them into the room, and the student has 40 minutes to explain themselves to win the job of their dreams. So at CBU, really what my office does is we partner with the academic side. On the academic side, they're charged with educating the student in their chosen field so they get their degree. Check, great. Now they're over to us. And we want to make sure the student is prepared really to verbalize that degree and their experience at the university. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is, you know, at our university, we emphasize that when a student's talking to someone who may hire them, uh, the value add is really not only the education, not only the outside extracurricular uh, events that they've been involved, but at CBU, Cal Baptist, you know, really it's a, It's a neat environment where character and integrity are emphasized every day. Mm -hmm. And when you have that, and if you can bundle that together to an employer,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: employers every time are going to say, you know, we like that. Because employers really want people that are going to team well with others. Mm -hmm. So when we can put that uh, together for a student and work with them and verbalizing that experience, uh, that's a win Mm -hmm. for our student, but that's also a win for the employer. Should our student be chosen?
0: That's definitely right. So kind of just jumping into more of the um, core of what we're talking about today, just with student development. Mm -hmm. So you work with students every day, day in and day out, who predominantly fall within this millennial generation. So with that, there's a lot of interest with the millennial generation, especially in regard to the work environment values and professional preparation. Um, some say millennials don't work hard as hard as the previous generations and expect too much too quickly from their career. While others say that maybe they're more creatively innovative, which adds immense value to an organization's efforts. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on these opinions, and um, do you think that these perspectives of this millennial generation is unique to the millennials, or is this just a is this just normal for young professionals?
1: That's a fair question. Um, You know, I guess one thing I want to do is I I don't want to be a pundit about the past generation. I'd rather be a partner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I really look at it, um, today's generation, you know, they're solidly educated, they're creative, and not really unlike my generation or generations before. You know, they just want to see value Mm -hmm. uh, in what they do. And, you know, I, I the perfect example, I, you know, honestly, the perfect example is when I worked for Honeywell and Stanley. Uh, listen, the product we sold was security, burglar alarms, fire alarms, closed circuit TV, access control.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: one of the things even those organizations did back in the early 80s was try to think through ways uh, that they could help their employees know the value mm-hmm. of what we were doing. So we were coached and we were told that, you know what, we're not selling all that equipment. What we're doing is we're saving lives and we're protecting people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for a young person out of college, you know, that, that gave me value in what I did. Mm-hmm. And really, at the end of the day, isn't that what's happening with this generation too?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So no matter, no matter how you position it, I think, I think the job actually of my generation is quit being an expert in saying what your generation or a millennial generation isn't doing right. Mm -hmm. We could do a much better job of coaching and taking the time to figure out how we can serve you Mm -hmm. so you can be great at what you do. So at the end of the day, when I'm ready to retire, (laughs) you know what? I go, hey hey, they're ready to go over there Mm because I've spent good time Mm -hmm. with those students, getting them ready for their next step. Mm -hmm.
0: I think that's a really unique perspective to have, to take more of a partnership approach rather than more of an antagonistic approach and being a little bit more standoff. Mm -hmm. But I think that even in being able to invest in the next generation of workers provides more confidence, leaving it in their hands as well. Um, So with that, what do you think are some of the strengths and weaknesses of young professionals?
1: All right, I'm going to go with the strength <laughs> is for sure technology. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the weakness is technology, and I'll get to why in a second. Yeah. I think other strengths of, of, uh, of a millennial or your generation is, you know, I think you get along. When I go into the workplace, I feel like uh, your generation gets along with people well, and they like being more in a teaming environment than necessarily being an uh, individual contributor. I mean, when I see projects at the university, many times those projects are done in groups. And it seems like when I was going back to school, there was more individualized projects. Now it's teams working together, which I think has a value in itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, The weakness side, like I say, I think technology, because what technology does is it draws us away from conversation. Mm -hmm. So we're not verbalizing our experience. I think uh, the student generation now Mm -hmm. really needs to work. I have a better... um, And grasp would be the wrong word, but the verbal skills could be stronger. Mm -hmm. I think technology robs us on it because we're just looking at our phones all the time. Mm -hmm. Even me now, you know, I'm 62. But for crying out loud on my phone, I get a report each week of how much time I've been spending on the phone each day. And it's convicting because I look at that and go, are you kidding me? I've been (laughs) spending this amount of time on it. i got to stop that. And I can't imagine, actually, what that report might be saying to our students. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So when we are um, less on the phone and being more intentional about conversation, I just think we get better. Mm -hmm. I think we ask better questions. Mm And we discover more simply because we're doing a good job of of dialoguing with one another.
0: Yeah, definitely. I spoke to um, Dr. Johannes Munoz from the University of Redlands a couple weeks ago, and he Mm -hmm. specializes in automation. And I was asking him what he thinks the next generation of workers, what are valuable traits that they need to bring to the table, essentially, in job interviews, or what can they do to prepare, even from a young age. Um, He's a parent of some small kids, too. And so I was just asking him, how is he preparing his kids? for all this coming automation. And he said that a couple things that I remember was team sport, being able to Mm -hmm. learn how to communicate and be on a team and work together. And the other thing was critical thinking and what it looks like to think outside the box and not be um, defined by something in the sense that a lot of the coming technology isn't defined yet. Um, and so I'm curious with the weakness of technology and how that is a limiting factor to communication strategies and communication styles within young professionals. What do you think are um, some remedies or things that can help alleviate that weakness?
1: Well, I think it, I, I thought about my own uh, experience in the workplace, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty um, adamant about this, Uh <laughs> You know, I think young people, one of the things they can do when, the, when they get into the workplace is find the people who do their job well and nudge up next to them. You know, uh, when I started with Honeywell and I've noticed in workplaces all throughout the, the county here in the Inland Empire or in OC or wherever in Orange County, uh, a lot of times we might just gravitate to our age group. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of organizations, you know, at entry level, there are going to be people uh, freshly out of school. And you want to develop friends, and sometimes it's easier just to go to your age group. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, maybe I just accidentally did it, or maybe it was just a smart thing to do. Strategically, I wanted to go find the people that did their job well and hang with them. Now, a lot of times they were busy with things, but more often than not, I found when I asked them. You don't know anything unless you ask, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were more than happy to tell me uh, why they were successful and what they were doing. And when I would take the time to understand that, that just kept building me uh, and my expertise more and more and more. So when it came time to move someone to a new level, people would always say, go look at that Mike guy, because he seems to understand what our priorities are in the business Hmm. And has a grasp on them. And I think he's worth a a conversation. We should have a conversation with him. And that worked out. So probably, you know, an overused word today is mentors. Mm -hmm. But maybe it should be overused because we really need to apply that, I think. I think young people, when they get their job, go find out who's doing it well and learn from them. Mm -hmm. Be curious, ask questions, and learn. Because then you'll get better at what you're doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the reality is that even in those beginning years, I myself have been in this season of just learning. Everything is new. Nothing is necessarily the same thing because everything is just a new thing. I
1: would tell you, too, just another thing just to make sure is ask questions. When I was uh, young with Honeywell, uh, you know, I I don't think I was uh, overly extroverted, but I learned the art of asking questions, and it was because I was getting good coaching. I find a lot of people, and again, maybe it's the younger generation still verbally has to get better. Um, When you ask questions, you know more. Like I said, uh, you don't know what you know unless you ask. And when you ask more questions, it can lead to another trail that may ask you to question something else. You begin to internally know your organization better and you work better with your customers. Look, we all have customers, regardless of what you're doing. And I found uh, my relationship with those that work with me, those that partner with me, it's much better when we've grounded with one another and asking a number of questions so we get to know each other better. That way we find out our requirements and needs or are able to address those and solve them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It creates for a better environment.
0: So switching gears a little bit, um, how have you seen the job application process change over the past 10 years? Um, you mentioned it a little bit, just of the process of, oh, you look for at a resume for maybe 10 seconds and yeah. an interview for maybe 40 minutes, um, but what do you think are the most important things that young people can do, and what do they need as they endeavor to get a foot in the door in the workplace?
1: That's a good question. Um, here's what's happening. There's a lot of online applications. Mm-hmm. So before I could even maybe go more in person and apply, you know, you'd look for ads in the newspaper and Mm -hmm. and show up. Well, everything's online. And one of the things you, uh, you know, you submit your application and who knows what deep hole it goes into. Uh, So that's a little troubling to students. Mm -hmm. Um, What else we see is we see the necessity of, of having a LinkedIn profile. A lot of employers today are uh, using LinkedIn really is something that may solidify someone's candidacy for the job. Just think about it. If you uh, have 10 candidates, you've pulled 10 great resumes, mm-hmm. but you really want to only talk to five people. Look, a lot of administrators, a lot of human resource people or whoever will say, go look at their LinkedIn profiles, take the resume, look for the five best LinkedIn profiles, and those are the five I'll talk to. Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn is actually beginning to trump a resume, Mm -hmm. because I can, on LinkedIn, I get your picture. I get a pretty good sample of your writing because it's done more narrative form. Mm -hmm. I see who you follow. I see if you follow my organization, by the way. (laughs) It's a great way for me to check on you. It's a great, and by the way, it creates efficiencies for employers Mm -hmm. because they can quickly scan that and see if that aligns with the resume they have. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I would tell students today don't necessarily, when they go to Jobs Indeed or Jobs on LinkedIn or wherever, don't eliminate themselves because in the job description, uh, they don't they aren't able to check every box in terms of qualification. Mm-hmm. You know what? They may hit 70%, 60%, but make yourself a candidate. Go for it. A lot of those job descriptions, uh, some of them are antiquated. And a lot of organizations, they like to tell you they're current, but they're not. Why? Because people don't necessarily update them and they just post whatever they had from years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell those students, get out there, giddy up. And and you know what? If you got six or seven of the 10, go in there and apply. Because mm-hmm. you may make an impression. If you're chosen on that employer where they say, that's okay, we can teach those areas to you. We just like you, the person, mm-hmm. and you'll bring great things to our organization. Um I would tell students again, make sure their portfolio is well rounded. Hey, you got your degree, congratulations. So does everybody else you're uh, probably candidating against. <laughs> so you got to make sure uh, that you have experiences, cross cultural experience. You know, when you're at a university, be in a club, do a sport, be intentional in building your resume, add on to the degree that you're going to get. That is so important. Mm-hmm. Put yourself in positions where you lead. Lead a project and make sure, you know, you keep working that team piece. When we talk to our students, you know, we really want them to be able to introduce themselves well. And that means that they've got to be able to align their education and experience with the job. They need to talk a little bit about leadership piece. They need to be able to uh, talk how they work well on a team. Mm-hmm. And the umbrella over all of that, Rachel, is they got to have presence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They got to look at, be able to look at the employer, eyeball them, shake their hands, smile, <laughs> bring joy to the, the time they're going to be with them because that employer over the first couple minutes is making an evaluation. Mm-hmm. You know, I teach a class in, uh, in servant leadership and what's interesting, I, I've brought a number of vice presidents or leaders from organizations into this class, your boss is one of them. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, you know what? Every one of them, they'd I have all these master students and say, "Listen, presence is a big deal to us. Your first two minutes is key." So when I talk to students about, hey, when you're going after a job or the application process, yep, have a great resume, have a great LinkedIn profile, but once you get chosen, make sure your presence is great and be able to answer that first, "Tell me about yourself" question in a wonderful ninety-second blip. Mm. It's critical and it's key.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. On the converse of that question, what do you think are things that people or young professionals focus too much on in the job application process?
1: You know, I I think uh, just doing a really good application uh, and making sure the the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, you know... A lot of I, a lot of students come in and say, well, I applied. Hey, I've applied to 50 places and no one's calling. Mm. And I'll look at them and say, yeah, but how are you setting yourself apart? You know, I'll encourage people. This may sound a bit old-fashioned, but I think it has a value because you're trying to say, here's why you choose me. I'll, I'll tell people, you know what? Once you've submitted 50 applications, if there are 20 or 30 of those that are close and nearby, then map about, get in your car, take those uh, resumes to each place, get in your best clothes, discover the iron, make sure you're (laughs) you're neat and orderly, and go introduce yourself to that person up front and say, you know what, I'm so-and-so. I applied here a week ago online. I'm sure my resume is somewhere in there, but I just wanted to show up in person and let you know, you know what, I'm serious about this job. I really want to work here. And so here's another copy of my resume in this envelope, if you'd be so kind as to put this potentially on the desk of the person who may be making those decisions, Mm -hmm. I'd really appreciate it or send it to them Mm -hmm. uh, would be most helpful to me. What are you doing? You're just setting yourself apart differently. Mm -hmm. That's what employers are looking for. It's hard enough when you get 300 resumes online and you go, brother, i got to figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) One way to help them figure it out is for you to do something different that makes you stand out.
0: Mm -hmm, Definitely. We're currently or we have been in the process of recruiting for upcoming round of our um, public service fellowship, which is essentially just young professionals looking to enter into the public sector workforce. And it's really interesting because those moments of being able to set yourself apart in your presence and in your professionalism really does almost put like a bookmark by your name for people to remember you. Sure. And I got to
1: add a number of our students, as I know students from other universities, universities in the area are chosen for that fellowship. And what a great added value to the community. I mean, holy mackerel Uh, opportunity for uh, young students to work in a city municipality, uh, to be able to rub shoulders with decision makers and potentially have an opportunity to jump into a full time opening after the internship they've had with them. What a great program. It's just uh, I'm hoping that it will continue to expand because at least from our our chair, we see great value in our students. And it's a really exciting thing you guys are doing.
0: Um, So from an organization standpoint, how do you attract and retain young talent? Or what do employers need to consider about young people that might not have been the case 5, 10, or even Mm -hmm. 20 years ago?
1: Uh, That's something employers should think about. I think one of the things I see from uh, really good employers is they have a plan. So your fellowship is a plan, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a plan where municipalities have gotten together and say, let's bring these young people on board and see if we can't bring them into our organizations through, what, through the fellowship and internship. So they need a plan to attract. So whether it's working with a few universities, whether it's working a LinkedIn channel, Indeed, or making sure they have a referral base to work from, some type of plan is important. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a lot of jobs out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Seven million of them, six million <laughs> people looking for them, right? Um, so that means the people they're trying to attract, they have choices. So guess what? You're going to need to treat me better because I don't necessarily have to work for you because I got more choices than I had five, 10, 20 years ago. I mean, Mm -hmm. look at the unemployment rate, right? Mm -hmm. So that means people in my generation, leaders of organizations need to understand the needs of their students and align them with the goal of the education. It's not going to be enough just to say, this is the way we do it. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? If I bring someone on board, that doesn't mean I have to go with that. There may be someone that may adapt to my schedule, adapt to my needs, adapt to me where I actually want to be a good dad or a good mom and have time with my family and really work that issue. Retention's a big deal to employers. Mm-hmm. Look, the, one of the biggest expenses they have is when they lose people and have to uh, hire up and retrain. Mm -hmm. That can be horribly costly. So taking care of these young hires on the front end saves you so much money on the back end and makes a better employee and potentially someone that will stick with you forever.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. right. And one of the things that we talked about a little bit earlier is that learning curve in the very beginning of a young professional's career. And so I'd love to ask a question more focused in on that. And so, like we mentioned, um, in the first couple of years, there's definitely that learning curve, everything from professional presentation to institutional knowledge and just general exposure to that industry. So what do you think an organization can do to best support young professionals during this time of development to be competent, loyal, and enthusiastic employees years later, like you're saying? to keep that retention sure
1: I think there's three or four things uh, that come to mind immediately number one have um, some type of career path that's embraced and understood Mm -hmm. I think what students really love about uh, strategic employers is they have a plan for them Mm -hmm. I've always thought an employer that's really worth their salt When they hire someone, they should be able to walk them through what the first one or two or three years are going to look like for them. What are the opportunities? What am I going to learn? This is how it's going to work in an organization. And what are you doing? You're just locking them in for three years because you're telling them (laughs) the plan. Why would you not do that? It makes total sense. It's Mm -hmm. the right thing to do. In fact, you're serving your employee. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some type of training is important. I can't tell you how many times I hear that at the university, you know. Students going in are gonna look for training. I remember hearing that when I was in the corporate world training, and and maybe it sounds like a broken record, and I'm sure some people may listen and say, hey, listen, a lot of stuff we do is on the job or what have you. Well, okay, but it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. There can be certain things that people are helped with, so that way when they get into the environment, it's a strange environment, at least they're learning certain items over a period of 30 days, 60 days that make the employee more comfortable mm-hmm. and ready to go. And key to the organization, no matter what it is, they're going to be more productive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the other piece too, my generation needs to to learn is to listen. We're not, we don't listen. Uh, sometimes we tout and say things. And, talk more about ourselves than we do others. We need to, and and listening listening means we serve. You know, we we spend time with them. I think the final piece on that too is, and this is a good one, (laughs) is uh, we need to learn to recognize. uh, When people do things well, you know, what an encouraging word or just something, uh, you know, whether it's a, uh, Starbucks card or something like that can mean a lot to people. When I worked in the corporate sector, I had my mentor was a guy named Tim. He was the president of our company. And he was really appreciative of some things I was doing. And uh, he just had a keen sense of listening. And he had a keen sense of recognition. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he wanted to do something nice for us, uh, for me. Mm -hmm. So Tim called my boys. Craziest story. I get a little, I get almost teary thinking about it. He called uh, one of my sons and said, what's your dad's dream? He said, uh, he said, well, he wants to go to the master's. Jim said, done, done. And he sent uh, me and my two sons to the 2007 master's, all expenses paid. Met the dream. But what was cool, Mm -hmm. you know, not everybody can do that. I get that. Uh, It was a corporation and he was able to do that. But he just didn't recognize me with whatever the company became available. He personalized it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And when you do that, you want to retain people. You want to retain young people. Know about them. Learn about them. If you're going to recognize them, again, maybe it's not giving them a Starbucks card. Maybe they like Icy's. Well, guess what <laughs> then get them a card to get an icy <laughs> know them well enough to meet their need and recognize them because that means a lot to people's hearts we all have hearts still mm-hmm. you know uh people can think all day but a heart is a very meaningful uh thing that we have and if employers did a better job of recognizing what was in their employers employees hearts mm-hmm. even young people again you get more loyalty and that retention piece would kick in. Mm -hmm.
0: So just kind of wrapping up our conversation, what would a piece of advice be that you would give to young professionals? And then on the other side of the coin, organizations that employ and train the next um, generation of the workforce? Young people,
1: uh, develop your portfolio. It's not just your degree. So make sure when you have a a chance to volunteer in the community, do something cross-culturally, Uh, Assume a leadership uh, opportunity, take it. Um, Volunteer. I think volunteering is a big deal. There's a lot of opportunities here in Riverside. The other thing I would tell young people is, you know what, pick your friends well. When they're at a university, pick your friends well. Why? Because sometimes friends can take a lot of time. And you know your job still at the university is to get your degree and move towards your career. So make sure as you're as you're grabbing your friends you're not necessarily spending more time with them mm. and prioritizing them to the detriment of your education and or your career opportunity. For employers it's easy. Learn to listen. Mm. Listen to what they're saying. That way you'll understand where where your new employees are at and how to retain them. Don't get stuck in old paradigms. Mm. Don't get stuck in this is the way we would always do it. There are new ways. And your employees, your new, your new students, you know what? They're creative. They have ideas. They're problem solvers. They're not going to want to hear about the way it used to be or this is the way we've always done it. Look for ways to serve them. Look for ways to make their day better. If their day's better, they are more productive. Mm-hmm. My job when I was a manager, when I was a leader, was to kick boxes and get them out of the way of my people guys to get in front of them and move stuff so they could do a better job. And then when you see a job well done, recognize it, either through verbal word, some type of something that means something uh, to the person and what they're doing for your organization. When you do that as an employer, guess what? Your retention rates are going to get better you're gonna have a more productive and better organization.
2: Mm -hmm,
0: Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming and taking time to be on the COGCAST. We're really thankful just for your insight and perspective. I think that one of the key takeaways um, that I heard from, from both sides of the spectrum, from being a student is to just um, continue to be teachable, to continue to ask questions. Um, Learning doesn't stop when when you get your diploma. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And then on the flip side, from an employer's perspective, really taking the time to meet your employees where they're at. And I think that that's something that we can all do a better job at.
1: Great, Rachel. Appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: The Western Riverside Council of Governments, also known as WRCOG, exists to unify the Western Riverside County so that it can speak with a collective voice on important issues that affect its members. For more information on WRCOG and the COGCAST, please visit us at www.wrcog.us.